Radio Chili Effect is sponsored by WallStreetWindow.com and listeners like you. And now, and now the, most, the most underrated voice in all, in all media, Chuck O'Chelly. May 15, 2023, allegedly, according to that thing we call a calendar. And this indeed is the show you were looking for. How do I know that? Because you found it and you're hearing me say what I'm saying. Anyway, you, you wouldn't have found this show if you didn't want to, that's for sure. Uh, welcome to it all. It is a moon day, Monday, as I speak to you live. But if you catch us further on down the stream via your final slab of choice, your applicable application, it, it, who, who has any idea what day it is? Or what time it is. You're listening to it as you choose. So uh, no matter who you are, where you are, when you are, welcome. Now, we often have had to discuss uh, 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 the the pandemic. We, we definitely have had to cover this over and over again. What was happening as it was happening. Uh, the controversies, or as they say on the other side of the pond, the controversies. Uh, right? And, and we've had to go over this and we've gotten ourselves in trouble. We no longer have a presence on YouTube. Uh, you know, all that good stuff, uh, not, not for just the crazy weird things that were made up, but also medical disinformation. Uh, right? They, they, they said that we were, by questioning anything, by saying maybe you shouldn't trust the big, uh, pharmaceutical companies when it comes to the vaccination. It was medical disinformation. Although it was publicly known stuff that I talked about. Uh, the very same people, you know, brought to you by the very same people who brought you, you know, those old commercials. Well, brought to you by the very same people who brought you the opioid epidemic. Here's your vaccine. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, Johnson and Johnson, they, they are instrumental and they presented one of the three back big vaccines. But before we even got to vaccine, what was going on? The shutdowns, all that stuff. We talked about it. I am so happy when I discover a brand new person, to me brand new. Probably not brand new at all, but we're going to get into that. Mike Wallach is a filmmaker. And, uh, you know, we'll start with he's a filmmaker and let him fill in the gaps there and tell you what it was he was doing before he decided to delve into. <laughs> now, I'm just going to go with the title here. And, and tell you about it. And also there'll be a link in with the show notes and, uh, maybe I'll drop it in the live chat room at ocelli.com. I haven't checked there yet to see if anybody's even talking or whatever, but you can always roll the chat room back. If you go to, uh, paradigm shift dot, uh, screen, right? Or you screen. Yeah. You screen dot IO. If you go there, uh, you will see something called the viral delusion, the tragic pseudoscience of SARS dash cove two. COV2, and the madness of modern virology. Are we getting a hint here? Are we getting a hint on what's going on? Or do we know what we're talking about? Let's get into it. Enough out of me. Mike Wallach, um, and hopefully I'm pronouncing your name correctly because I haven't even spoke to you until today, but I've taken a look at just pieces of your work. Um, really happy to see yet another piece of work out there that is serious, that is an examination of, I don't know, what the hell is really going on? Um, anyway, enough out of me. Tell us a little bit about what it is that caused you to make this film. And I, I am going to mention it a few more times and, uh, uh, bring people over to it. You can purchase it, by the way, uh, for, I think it's 1199 is the cost on the one link. We'll, we'll get into that more too. I'll ask Mike how we can get a hold of the film. And, uh, I'll also give you some links to the trailers, all that in the show notes. But anyway, Mike, how did you get even decide? that you were going to turn something you were already doing, or maybe I should take it further back. I mean, let's talk about what you were doing 
before the pandemic <laughs> sure. happened. Yeah, let's go there. Yeah, man. Th- Chuck, thanks for having me on your show. It's a, it's a pleasure to, to be able to talk to you. Um, so yeah, I, I was a, I was a, a, a filmmaker already. Uh, I was a screenwriter, uh, and, um, I'd, uh, written a, a bunch of screenplays for Hollywood, and one of them had actually, I, you know, gotten made and, it was it was actually about a, uh, a, a sort of an a- epidemic, cataclysmic situation, but that was like ten years ago. Um, so it was just a weird echo of uh, of uh, reality. But um, there's 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 so many ways of talking about it. Um, I'm going to go way back to like 15 years ago uh, to explain how I ended up in a place where I would make uh, the viral delusion. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you just a quick bit about the, uh, the documentary itself. So, um, we look at, uh, your, your viewers are probably aware of all sorts of levels of fraud that have happened during the last, you know, three years. Um, so there's, there's, you could pick almost anything, uh, about, you know, what the mainstream narrative has been telling us over the last three years. And you can, you scratch the surface to discover that it's, that it's a fraud. Mm. Um, so, you know, does this so-called injection, you know, is it good for you? Well, scratch the surface and you find out that when in the, in the trials, you know, the, uh, the control group, and then you had the, 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 you know, the injected group, that you know, significantly more people died in the injected group than in the control group. Well, that doesn't sound like a successful trial to me, but they were able to, you know, they were able to basically put white out over the names of the people that died in the uh, in the trial group versus the control group. Mm-hmm. Or you look at the mask uh, uh, data, and the mask data has been, has always overwhelmingly been that uh, mask usage uh, doesn't do anything except make you sick. I mean, it's, it's, it's obvious, and that's what all the studies have, have, have shown consistently over and over and over and over and over again. But all that data was ignored, and, and it was claimed that everybody should be wearing masks. So, I mean, you know, you, you scratch the surface on any of this stuff. I mean, uh, you know, the PCR testing, um, and, and what a joke uh, the PCR testing was. But in, in the film... Series, uh, and I, and I say film series because when I set out to make this documentary, and I'll tell you why and we'll get into it, I originally set out to make a two hour, uh, documentary and I ended up with so much extraordinary material, um, that, uh, we turned it into a seven and a half hour series, a five episode, seven and a half hour series. Wow. Um, because it was, there's just too much. And, and I had to stop. I had, I had some of the most amazing material, you know, just, sitting on a, on a hard drive, uh, in my, com- in my computer, because I, I, at some point I had to stop editing the thing and just get it out there. Uh, but I could, I could tell all the stories of the extraordinary scientists, doctors, philosophers, um, that professors that I spoke to who were dying to get their stories out, um, about, uh, aspects of this fraud that I couldn't even squeeze in. I mean, that alone, you know, I could do numerous more episodes. But anyway. Well, right. And look, I, I've covered on this show, like, say, uh, the story of uh, uh, Dr. Zelenko. You might know that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, go ahead. 
Um, but but so what what I did was I focused uh, yeah. in this uh, in the first episode, uh, we focused on the doctors and scientists who carefully scrutinized the foundation of the entire so-called pandemic, and that is uh, the the academic so-called academic papers that came out of Wuhan. Uh, and then the subsequent papers that came out of uh, Australia, Seattle, and Korea, um, that in which it was declared that a new virus had been found at all. Mm. And um, these extraordinary, extraordinarily thoughtful, rational, careful thinkers uh, take us through the um, the smoke and mirrors that uh, that is those in- initial papers. Okay, and and um, some of them uh, were absolutely shocked when they actually read these papers mm. because ninety nine point nine percent of doctors do not read the actual papers out of virology and the. Very few that actually read the papers do not carefully read the methodology sections, which is where the the fraud is really hidden. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just absolutely mind blowing when you can take apart the the very foundation of the entire uh, last three years. Um, and uh, and so we spend about two. About two hours um, in the first episode, uh, very carefully telling these doctors and scientists stories. Um, and we're talking about some really phenomenal people. I mean, Andrew Kaufman, um, who, uh, you know, earned his uh, undergraduate degree in molecular biology at, at MIT and then went on to get his medical degree. Uh, Tom Cowan, who's a, a doctor who uh, is, is widely published uh, on many fields. Uh, Stefan Lanka, who's a former virologist. Uh, Kevin Corbett, who is a, uh, a nurse, uh, a, a nurse a PhD uh, in London. Klaus Kohnlein, uh, who is a doctor in Germany. Stefan uh, Scolio, who is a, uh, a biochemist in Italy and was uh, nominated for the Nobel Prize uh, by the U.S. Assistant uh, Surgeon General, um, and many, many more. I mean, we're talking about really uh, phenomenally experienced, um, absolutely brilliant thinkers who have been completely, completely, entirely silenced and silenced not just by YouTube and not just by the mainstream media, uh, but they've even been silenced by many alternative uh, voices, uh, alternative channels. Um, well, that's that's we, the question I wanted to go to because I didn't see the immediate use of, let's call them the usual suspects, who are good people. Uh, some of them who have been on this show have been on shows that I produced because uh, I produce other podcasts. Um, you know, Peter McCullough, people like that, who have been out there, who have been out front. But I think what is missed in a lot of cases here is that there is a wide array of individuals all across the medical field that did say something was wrong. Now, your reaction, I, I, I want to get into when you really started to react, because was it during the time that the mainstream media 
was really pushing the panic uh, that, look, we have this terrible thing. We don't know what we're going to do. This is a horrible thing. People are going to die. We're going to have to do something. Uh, the masking came in, and then that happened in a variety of ways, depending on where you were. Um, and we tried to cover what was happening in Australia versus what was happening here. That got me in trouble on various channels, uh, you know, stuff <laughs> like that. I mean, I, I got in trouble all over the place for, first of all, even hinting that something might have come out of a lab. Now that's accepted. Um, you know, I, I got in trouble for uh, all these things. But forget about my troubles. Uh, people in the medical industry were reacting, and yet... We were shown through the, uh, you know, the, the talking heads like Sanjay Gupta and people like that, right? Uh, that universally, uh, unless you're a crazy conspiracy theorist, you need to understand that this is the most deadly thing happening of our time. I mean, did you start to react when that was happening? Did you think something is wrong and I need to look into this? Uh, where did you begin to come into this? <laughs> so, um, Again, let, let me, let me, I'll tell you a quick story as, as quickly as I can. I'll tell you the story about, um, how I began even ever thinking about, uh, medical politics and, uh, medical history. Right. And, um, that's, uh, from more than 15 years ago now. Um, my wife and I were living in, uh, in Park Slope in Brooklyn. You're out of New York, right? Uh, well, no, actually, I, I grew up in New York, New Jersey. I'm in Macon, Georgia now. I, I know you can oh, tell from my yeah. accent, but. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> oh, know. that's great. I love yeah. Georgia. Um, but, uh, well, we were living in New York and Brooklyn at the time. And, um, and my wife, uh, uh, began to have this really, um, debilitating condition where her knees would swell up. Mm. And, uh, one knee would swell up almost the size of like a volleyball. And then it would go away after a couple of days. And then a few days later, her other knee would swell up. And uh, it was causing her enormous pain. Right. And um, she, uh, it wouldn't go away, you know. So she went to you know, rheumatologists in New York City, and she went to the best people she could find. And, uh, you know, Columbia and Cornell and um, all that. And uh, they all said the same thing, which is that uh, there's nothing they could, they could do. Uh, that she had early onset arthritis mm. and that, um, she was never going to be able to really walk again. Right. And, uh, they said that, uh, they could put her on a steroid treatment, uh, that would reduce the pain, but, um, it would, uh, highly increase her chances of dying in her fifties. Mm. And, uh, and they, um, and they said, uh, you know, uh, we're sorry, but you, you, you just, you, you're going to have to get a good cane. Mm. And, um, you know, I remember, uh, going into a drugstore and buying a cane with my wife on Sixth Avenue in Brooklyn. And she's 30 years old. And she's drop dead gorgeous. And she couldn't walk. And, uh, and it was just like, you know, one of those life changing events. And, uh, and then, um, I happened to hear this, uh, doctor on the radio. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he, uh, this was like an alternative radio station, like one of those, you know, free thinking radio stations. And, um, right. and he said, uh, he, he sounded so brilliant. Um, and he had been the chief pathologist at a hospital in New York. Okay. And he had, um, he had quit because he was so frustrated with the standard medical practice at the hospital. And what's, what, what I later learned is called the, 
standard of care, the prescribed standard of care. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, I said to my wife, why don't we just go see this guy and see if he's got anything to say? He sounds so smart, you know. Right. But she went to see him, and he asked her if she was an athlete, and uh, she said no. And he said, well, what does your bathroom look like? She said, that's the weirdest question, but I hate my bathroom. He said, yeah, is the paint peeling on the walls of your bathroom? She said, yeah, 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 it is. He <laughs> said, okay, I'm going to run some tests, but you most likely have a mold allergy, and you just need to get out of your bathroom, get out of that apartment, and you'll be fine. Huh. Okay. And so we, we got out of that apartment about two weeks later, and uh, and she healed right up. And uh, she's never had a problem again. It's been 15 years, more than 15 years now. So I went back for a second visit with that doctor. And I remember he he was such a funny guy. He he held my hand and he held my wife's hand. And he said, remember all the children that died in the the Iraq war and that died in the sanctions of the Iraq war? Mm. That pales in comparison to the Lipitor scam alone. He said, never trust a word that you read in the new Enron Journal of Medicine. It's all lies. Wow. And he was referring to the New England Journal of Medicine, which is, of course, considered the most prestigious journal of medicine in the country. Right. This man such a successful doctor that even though he's a Pakistani Muslim man, Dr. Majid Ali, he was the rabbi of the, of the chief, he was the, the doctor of the chief rabbi in New York City. That's that the chief rabbi of New York City was not going to a Jewish doctor. He was going to a Pakistani Muslim doctor. That's how good this guy is, mm. and he's the guy who who healed my wife. And he and this is what he's telling us. And I'm going, this is this is mind blowing. Like, this is this is unbelievable. I mean, my wife can walk again. She's not going to take this medicine that's potentially going to kill her in her fifties. Right. And so that. That launched us on, 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 on the beginning of this journey. And, and when my wife became pregnant, I was suddenly willing to question assumptions, as was she, that I never would have questioned in a million years before. And one of those assumptions was that it's good to vaccinate. It's a good thing. Mm. So instead of just taking that assumption at its you know societal value, we began to do our research. And the first book that my wife uh, ordered to read was by Mary Holland, who was a law professor at NYU. And she had written about the the uncovered legal background to uh, vaccinations and 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 their medical consequences. And what we discovered was that there was this gigantic story about the dangers of vaccines that had been hidden, uh, uh, completely uncovered by the press, mm-hmm. and um, and that had been proven in court. I mean, just over and over and over uh, proven in court. And it, it was becoming so dangerous, of course, for the pharmaceutical companies that they lobbied Congress so that um, a new court system would be created just for them. So there's actually three uh, court systems in the United States. There's the uh, the regular court system for all of us. There's the military court system if you're in the military, mm-hmm. and then there's the the court system if you've been injured by vaccines. Um, right. And uh, and and if 
uh, you win in that court system, the pharmaceutical companies don't have to pay. The, the American taxpayer pays you out. Right. Uh, <laughs> now, you you don't know this, but uh, believe it or not, I'm one of the few places that has actually covered this and talked about this and, and, and gotten at it where it's like, look, you know, uh, they always hit you with the, you're a conspiracy theorist. You must have seen something on Facebook that convinced you that vaccines are not good, even though they're proven and this and that. And I go, you know, look, I know about the special court system. I know about the judgments that you're not allowed to, uh, even if you do get a settlement from them, uh, you're not allowed to disclose it. Uh, all of these kind of special protections that have been granted, nobody seems to get to, to want to get their minds around this, that this is a completely different thing. And that's the scary part about the vaccination end of this, right? Absolutely. Is that... I, 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 Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what. The, yeah. the thing that really blew my mind and came back up later when I was one of the things that uh, why, one of the reasons why I really wanted to make this documentary series. The thing that blew my mind uh, was not that vaccines were dangerous. Somehow, subconsciously, I kind of had that sense anyway. Right. Anyway, far more dangerous than I realized. Far more. I mean, most people don't realize how extraordinarily uh, toxic these products are. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I mean, just <laughs> it's just. I mean, we could talk about that for a long time in and of itself. But the thing that the thing that really blew my mind was the efficacy, right. because I had always grown up believing that vaccines were the reason that we don't have polio today. Right. That vaccines are the reason that we don't have smallpox today. That vaccines are the reason we don't have a whole litany of diseases today uh, that uh, used to plague uh, mankind or you know people in various different places. Right. Um, that that was the story that I always believed, and so you know I was prone to the arguments of, oh well, maybe it's a little bit dangerous, but you know we should all do it because we're doing it for each other and all this. Language that was resurrected, of course, during COVID. But right. um, what what really shocked me was when I began uh, reading medical history around these questions, around the question of what really happened with polio, what 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 really actually caused polio, mm-hmm. and what why did polio go away? Why did smallpox go away? And when you read the medical history, it's very clear that vaccines had nothing to do with it. They had nothing to do with it. Right. Uh, but they they have been uh, marketed as the, you know, the cure-all. That the, this is, the, you know, this is why uh, we, we, we live um, the healthy lifestyles that we do today. And, of course, you know, people aren't so healthy today, but that's a whole other um, story. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. Well, look, wasn't it an amazing thing, though, to discover that? Because you always had this idea, as, as I did growing up, I mean, that, look, they test all this stuff, right? So, therefore, there was a whole bunch of, you know, testing that goes into it. It must have been found to be the, the you know, the, the thing that works because otherwise it wouldn't be out there. That's the way it is, right? And then when you go into it on stuff like this, you find that the only thing that's ever really been tested for efficacy when it comes to vaccinations is the rabies shot, okay? And and that's well, it. You know, even rabies, even rabies is not. Even rabies is, is based on, you know, I was in a, I, I mean, I, the last thing I want to talk about is rabies because it's so far afield. But l- let me just say, I, I you know, I, 
I was talking to a to a, a real kind of mainstream believer, and he was like, "What about rabies?" You know, because um, yeah, what's going on there? And I, I had rabies is a relatively unstudied subject among um, uh, critical medical historians. Okay, I mean, there's right. there's some topics that are have been covered where people where, where critical historians have gone back and looked at them. Rabies is less so. So I had to do some of my own personal research on that, and and I started reading some of the um, foundational papers and some reading some of the charts um, that that were most prominently displayed by the CDC and stuff. And I started writing the professors uh, this one chart. This that's it's really the chart that the CDC puts out about uh, rabies numbers going down with the vaccine. Right. And I said, where'd you get these numbers from? And the professor was very sort of uh, embarrassed, and he said, you know, honestly, I, I, I don't have the numbers for you. I said, can, I, can you send me the database that these numbers are based on? Because uh, I'd like to see what um, what the methodology was behind this chart, and, you know, I want the, the methodology matters tremendously. Yeah. And, he, and he sort of sheepishly told me that he didn't have any of the actual data that uh, of the chart from his paper, but that uh, he thought that the CDC would have it. And um, so I wrote to the CDC, and then they said that they don't have it, and um, and that they essentially um, n- nobody knows where the data from this key chart that's that's put out uh, actually lies, and um, there it, you can't check the data on this chart. So that was that was that's the major chart that's put out. And then the second thing is, so I start reading these old rabies papers, and it, what what really blew me away was that. What's the like? What's the one thing that you know about like the danger of rabies, right? Like what? What's like the central thing? The central thing yeah. is is like I mean, on a very basic level, is you get bit by a dog with rabies, and then you could get rabies and die, right? That's the story, right? If you don't go get the shots uh, to take care of it, this is the big thing. Uh, whether it's a dog or raccoon or whatever. Right, they have to find the animal, determine if it actually has the the rabies. I mean, this is right. always the thing, and uh, yeah, yeah, of yeah. Course. Right. Well, if you actually read the the, the medical records on uh, uh, alleged human cases of rabies, right, uh, in the last uh, forty, this well, this was from from nineteen eighty to nineteen ninety five was one paper, and they said of the was uh, I might not get these numbers exactly right, but it's basically right. Of the 26 cases of human rabies that were reported in the United States, right. 24 of them, the human being was not bit by any animal at all. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, they didn't get it from a bite. No. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and and then it was that was followed by another paper which went from the you know 1998 to 2000. 12 or something, and it was right. the exact same thing. That 90% of uh, the cases, they simply could not find a bite. But they were so already, the, the people who wrote this paper and this whole uh, industry uh, behind this is so buried in, in, in only thinking one way about why we might get sick and mm-hmm. what sickness is and how it's diagnosed and all of these things that they came up with this cockamamie theory. And they actually wrote this in the paper. That maybe a secret, unknown side effect of rabies is that you forget the bite. <laughs> See, this is the the explanations after the fact. I'm sorry to laugh, 
But this is what we're facing, and let's let's get back into the topic at hand, okay? Because as I said, it was interesting to watch how there was the great panic, right? Mm-hmm. Here comes this thing, which yes, indeed, I know people were getting sick. I got sick in 2020, uh, very ill, and I thought, well, I must have this thing that they're talking about, this brand new thing. Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. I never went and got tested, right? There's a whole thing about the PCR testing and everything else, which you cover in the movie. So we'll leave that uh, uh, to the listener, right, to, to go and discover that in the movie about the testing. Let's put that aside again and go back into you saw what was happening, you saw what was being introduced, and then here comes the hero, the vaccine, right? Operation Warp Speed, all of this. You have to look at the whole history. Um, and again... It was amazing to me how they were stating, look, you need to go get this shot because this is the only thing that's going to save you. After we've given you the panic, this is the thing that's going to stop the spread. This is the thing that's going to prevent others from getting ill, so on and so forth. This is what they told you in the media. Now, the funny part is, in their own papers, even in the papers that were developed by Pfizer and the other companies that were involved in these efforts to create the vaccine, They didn't even say that their product would do that. They didn't say that their product would stop the spread in their own paperwork. (laughs) Okay. That's right. Now, you know, nobody questioned it at the time, though, because, like I said, the talking heads, it was just all about go get your vaccine. Everything on TV from Elmo to Don Lemon was telling you, (laughs) right, you have to go get this. You have to go get it, not just to save yourself, but to save everybody around you. Okay, and meanwhile, where is the proof that this is what was happening? Where is the, you know, you talked about the the treatment, and I love that story, by the way, about your wife, because, again, a piece of intelligence was revealed there where a doctor said, you know, there could be an environmental problem here. (laughs) That's the bathroom, folks, the environmental problem. Uh, You know, doctors never talk about the dietary problem, because what do the doctors turn to? The literature that they're given, right? Their marching orders, the stuff that comes from the AMA, the stuff that comes from the medical journals, they go to that for treatment, for the answer to everything, and they never bother to examine things, again, like diet, environment, okay? Or to ever bother to see that uh, no two individuals are truly alike. I mean, there is no such thing as a one-size-fits-all solution in medicine, actually. They never look at that. They never, I mean, except this one guy was smart enough to say, hey, look, I see a problem here. Oh, well, let's just give you the drug. That's the normal protocols. That's the normal treatments. That's the normal way that they go about things. Here's the drug, the answer to the symptom, and never dealing with what the problem is. And I'll tell you, metaphorically, this is what we saw on a massive scale. But but have no fear, accept this as the solution even though the people that are developing it didn't say that it was going to do all the things that we're telling you it's going to do. Very confusing. I mean, what was the big alarm bell? I mean, I get you're starting to question. You see that the medical industry in and of itself is is a contradiction constantly. They're supposed to do no harm, but are they attempting to do any good is the major question, 
right? <laughs> but they're doing tremendous. I mean, I mean, even you know, according to the most standard sources, you know, uh, iatrogenesis, which is uh, uh, death by doctor, is the third leading cause of death in the country. Yeah. Uh, but but that's that's you know that's a very standardized number. I mean, I think if you if you thought about it more holistically, it would go you know much 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 higher than that because. Uh, uh, there's so many uh, cases where uh, the person dies from the from the treatment, but it's it's claimed that they died from the disease, which is of course the the situation uh, that happened with COVID. Um, it was death by treatment, uh, not death by disease. And um, it's just it, it's <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. Let, let me let me try to give people some context for it, and then we'll dig in because yeah, go ahead. Um, I'm really hoping that um, that that more and more people can understand uh, the perspective. Uh, that the scientists and the doctors and the and the medical historians and the journalists um, that I was able to speak to um, all uh, were, were were saying in symphony. I mean, absolutely in symphony. And uh, because it's such an un, 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 underreported story. I mean, it's, it's the underreported story of, of the last three years, if not the last 50 years, of course. Right. Um, and that is that um, the entire field of virology is pseudoscience. The entire field. And uh, the, the claim that there ever was a SARS-CoV-2 virus is, is complete nonsense. It's based purely on pseudoscience. And, uh, and essentially, uh, it was just blasted out um, to the rest of the uh, medical community who uh, did not, uh, uh, you know, basically was not in a position to uh, verify one way or another whether these claims were true. And uh, when you actually uh, dissect them and dig in, you realize that the, it's, it's total bunk. Mm. Uh, but just to, just to put the whole thing in some context, um, there's, there's a, uh, I was thinking about Georgia, where, where you said you're from. There's a great writer down there in, in Georgia, uh, and he wrote a book called The, uh, the Moth and the Iron Lung. Do you ever, have you ever heard of that? I have heard of it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he talks about the story of polio. And uh, polio is a good one, uh, I think, for people to, to understand because, uh, you know, it was, it was told to everybody, uh, you know, for decades uh, before the 50s and then, of course, ever since, that polio was caused by a virus and that it was an infectious virus. Right. And, uh, and, you know, it, if you weren't uh, careful and, and uh, we didn't, you know, fund research for the vaccine and then have everybody get the vaccine, that... Uh, you know, your child might become paralyzed, uh, your child could die, uh, mm-hmm. and that the reason we don't have polio today is because of all this research for the vaccine in the 50s and yada, yada, yada. Uh, well, as, um, is they laid out in the, in the moth in the iron, uh, moth in the iron lung and many, many other books, including, uh, the extraordinary book by Jim West, uh, Polio, um, uh, t- uh Toxicology versus Virology, um, uh, why did we see the rise of, of uh, childhood paralysis at the beginning of the 20th century? Uh, well, what we saw was the rise of a new industrial chemical, um, uh, organophosphates, uh, various versions of organophosphates. And as uh, these uh, chemicals uh, began uh, to be used in, in certain locations, uh, and with more frequency, that's where we saw the childhood paralysis. Right. Um, so, you know, you can go back and you can look at, uh, you know, small towns in Massachusetts where these organophosphates are used by tanneries um, in the small town. Uh, and the, the, they dump these new industrial chemicals in the, in the river. And uh, in, it's in those, you know, in that town where you see childhood paralysis. 
Um, but even though these people have lots of, uh, of exchange with people, uh, uh, you know, three miles inland, ten miles inland, and other towns, nobody in these other towns is 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 becoming sick. Uh, nobody's becoming paralyzed. It's only the little towns along this river uh, where this industrial chemical is uh, is dumped. Uh, then uh, we see uh, a new version of this chemical become sprayed in the Northeast in order to defeat a uh, to wipe out a new uh, moth. Um, that is eating the crops in New England, uh, and this uh, chemical uh, Paris Green um, is uh, sprayed all over the trees and, and whatnot. Uh, again, it gets into the water supply. The cows drink it, and um, it becomes uh, uh, condensed in their milk. Uh, babies and small children drink the milk, and they become paralyzed in exactly these towns in these areas. Right. So as we see the rise uh, temporally and uh, geographically of this chemical, these, these new compounds, we see the rise of uh, childhood paralysis. And uh, we don't see contagion uh, whatsoever. And uh, why, do, why does anybody think it's a virus? Well, it's just this, it's essentially, that's just what everybody's told. Uh, this theory that uh, sickness doesn't come from uh, your environment, uh, that it doesn't come from the food you eat or the air you breathe or the quality of the water you drink, um, but instead it is uh, you, you shouldn't think about any of that, and you should only think about these um, these fictional entities um, that have been um, enculturated into our uh, scientific literature. Uh, through pseudoscience, mm-hmm. and uh, this is what you should blame for disease. And you can see it in, in like the funding at the early 20th century. Um, there's tremendous research that had been going on in this country uh, surrounding uh, nutrition uh, because we had just, um, you know, we had spent decades thinking that pellagra um, was a uh, contagious uh, disease, and mm-hmm. eventually it had been discovered that it was a nutritional deficiency. Uh, people, of course, know the, the, the story of scurvy, which was also thought to be a contagious disease uh, and uh, is also a nutritional defici- deficiency. So, um, but, but pellagra had been a really uh, sort of major moment in uh, early American um, medical thought in the 19th century. And so all this um, thinking starts going into, uh, oh, wow, you know, nutrition is, uh, must be important. And wow, that must be a, a factor in human health. Um, not that anybody hadn't thought of it before, but in the United States, in sort of, you know, the esteemed libraries of Harvard and Yale and whatnot, this was a sort of a new idea. Imagine that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so there, there's, there's all sorts of research that goes into uh, nutrition, and there's all sorts of research that goes into toxicology, because with the uh, rise of the... Um, um, what you might call the American Industrial Revolution, or the, or the rise of you know factories and, and and new chemicals being used in the United States, you know there's a lot of interest in that, and 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 people are 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 noting that you know these things are quite toxic, they're extraordinarily dangerous. Mm. So there's the, there grows to be a, a fair amount of research in that area as well. And then there was this little tiny field which theorized that. Um, that uh, no, 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 that's not where disease comes from. It doesn't come from the food you eat or the, your environment or, or toxic things in your, around you. Uh, it, it comes from uh, uh, tiny little things um, we, that we just can't see, but that must be there. And um, this becomes the, uh, uh, the area that uh, 
Rockefeller and Morgan, uh, but chiefly Rockefeller, starts financing uh, as he takes over the uh, American medical industry. Uh, and it, it just happens to be this perfect uh, uh, boogeyman because if you've been poisoned uh, by DDT or you've been um, uh, on a, a diet um, that doesn't have any nutrition, neither one of these is, is really built for selling uh, a pill. Um, they're, you know, they're, get, get the toxin out of your life, eat healthy, and, and you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. But um, if if there's a tiny little bugger that uh, ordinary people can't see, but that the uh, high priests of science are, are telling you exists, then it's you know then you can sell a, a, a vaccine to defeat this thing. And um, what what Edward Jenner and the doctors of uh, of London had discovered, you know, more than a hundred years prior was that vaccines totally changed the economic paradigm of working in the medical profession. Uh-huh. Um, it, it, it had been up until Jenner popularized uh, the smallpox so-called vaccine uh, that a doctor was limited in his market to treating the sick. <laughs> yeah. And suddenly, uh, once uh, Jenner's smallpox vaccine came along, a doctor had uh, the opportunity to treat every single person in the society. And if they could come up with a vaccine for numerous diseases, then that doctor could treat them numerous times. And uh, so we, we saw a major paradigm shift uh, in what it meant to be a doctor. Well, um, let me ask you a crazy yeah. question. Uh, yeah. Because, uh, you know, this will not be a crazy question to you, I think. But uh, to some people, it is one of those crazy things I ask all the time. Um, <clears throat> you know, they're able to photograph a lot of things on a microscopic level. Um, have you ever taken notice that there is no photograph of a virus? Uh, oh. That there are illustrations, but there's no <laughs> microscopic photograph of any virus? Well, it's 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 totally short. We, we, this is something we cover in depth in in the documentary uh, oh. series. Um, mm-hmm. About an hour, about an hour into the first episode, we really we really go into it. Oh, okay. um, so ahead. yeah, I mean, it's 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 so it's just you can't you can't scratch a single topic uh, uh, without uh, you know discovering uh, the funky smell of fraud uh, all over it. So right. the photographs are the photographs are great. So. Um, the photographs that are out there, if you look up, um, you know, uh, photograph poliovirus, photograph SARS-CoV-2, mm-hmm. uh, you know, photograph measles virus and all this, um, most of what you'll see is, is, is an artistic rendition. Uh, the vast majority of what you'll see is, is some sort of CGI. Yes. Okay. <laughs> but, but they're based on uh, what's called an electron micrograph photo. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, let's take the um, we'll take uh, SARS-CoV-2 uh, a, as an example. So uh, it's just I I, uh, I laugh because it's so absurd. Um, they they take uh, they take snot from a patient that they presume to have SARS-CoV-2. They start with the assumption that the person has COVID. Okay. okay. They sure. start with that as a scientific assumption. Um, then they take their snot, 
they they put that snot in what's called uh, Eagle's uh, transfer medium, which is a saline solution with a number of antibiotics in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they bring that to the lab. Uh, they dump that in a, a cell culture that's essentially a vial with monkey kidney cells in it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they take the snot, the antibiotics, the saline solution, they dump that on monkey kidney cells. They add fetal bovine serum, so that's the uh, that's the the blood of a cow fetus, and then they uh, and then they add um, a number of antibiotics again uh, to that mixture, mm-hmm. and uh, they mix that about. Um, then uh, they take a tiny little bit of it, and they. Um, they, sh- they they shoot uh, metals at it, little tiny flecks of, of, of metallic dust, and they sort of cover the whole thing with metallic dust, uh, and then they put that in the electron micrograph, and um, they zoom in to look at a size, uh, their presumed size of a virus. Uh, I think it's 20 to 30 nanometers, I think is, is what their, uh, presumed size is. Mm-hmm. And then if they see a circle, they say, aha, that's the virus. <laughs> okay. Okay. And, um, what they do. <laughs> I, I, I'm, 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 I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to mock what you're saying, but I guess I'm trying to mock what you're saying. Uh, because this sounds crazy to me. Go ahead. I'm sorry. It's, it's totally crazy. There's a whole history to why it's done that way and it has nothing to do with the scientific method. Of course and it has not. everything to do with <laughs> right. fraud and finance. Yeah. But, um, what, what they don't tell you is that there's all sorts of reasons why you could see a circle after doing all of that. Yeah. All sorts of reasons. And if you read, again, if you read the actual literature in this area, this is well stated. It's well stated by uh, uh, numerous uh, scientists in published research that um, there is absolutely no proof that if you see the shapes claimed to be SARS-CoV-2, in an electron micrograph, that they are SARS-CoV-2. You simply there are there are many other uh, reasons why you might see uh, uh, that shape, mm-hmm. and not only that. And so this was, I mean, not only that. It, 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 you could go on and on just just on this alone. So I mean, just like in. Um, you know, some of the major kidney journals, um, over the last, uh, two years, uh, kidney, kid, kidney scientists, um, use electron micrographs a lot. So they're, they're some of the more published, uh, writers in, in this area. Um, they, uh, have, uh, lambasted the papers in which it's claimed, um, that they, uh, have a photograph, the key papers and right. the key papers. In which it's claimed that they have a photograph of SARS-CoV-2, and and they call for the retraction of those papers and the retraction of those statements, and there's never been such a retraction. Um, so it's it's not only well known in the field that you cannot make such an absurd claim, uh, but it's actually been aggressively fought um, by other scientists. But you know, not only are, is there no retraction in the journals, there's there's Obviously, none of that ever makes it out to the general public. Right. Um, so it's 
it's total nonsense. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like um, if I claimed it, it, that if I if I flew a, a, a plane over um, you know Beijing after I blew it up fifty times with various bombs, and then I and then I took a picture from from four hundred miles up above. Right. And I saw a circle. It's as if I claimed that that must be uh, my grandfather Paul because he had a hat that was circular. <laughs> I mean, that's just wow. Um, look, it sounds it sounds like a, a, a lot of stuff gets revealed, and I want to you know give you a few minutes here to really go over what's in the film because I bounced around, asked a bunch of different questions. Uh, but we got at some very interesting pieces here. I kind of wish I had uh, planned to do uh, two or three hours with you, but uh, there's only so many in the day. And, I mean, the documentary is, is seven hours long at this point in five parts, right? Yeah, it's it's seven and a half hours, five parts, and I'm telling you, man, I got stuff on my hard drive that, that, that would blow you away that never made, even made it into the film. I mean, well, it's just... Yeah, <laughs> no, well, tell there, people there's, about... There's no end. Yeah, well, this, tell people about what's in there, because you got uh, all kinds of doctors, all kinds of scientists. I mean, one statement after another after another, just in the trailer alone... Uh, it's just like you're bit, you're getting bombarded with all these different statements where they're like, I don't understand how it is that nobody has called this out to be the fraud that it is in general. Why has there not been a mass chorus, uh, you know, from everybody who actually cares about uh, medicine, <laughs> you know, and science, you know, because they keep telling you trust the science, trust the science. Well, I, I might, if it was scientifically done, um, you know, <laughs> if there was a scientific method here that was being adhered to, uh, if there was something other than, you know, again, the, the, this uh, after-the-fact sort of, uh, I mean, the PCR test in and of itself is something that I know you go into in the movie, and, uh, uh, you know, again, you're not you're not allowed to question that either, even though that makes no sense. You know, when it comes to the testing that they have, and they're still mailing out those tests, by the way. You know that, right? The free testing. Uh, I mean, it's just it's just mind-boggling that, that that anybody still falls for this nonsense. I well, mean, it's just mind-boggling. Well, and, and really, it's a tragedy. Well, give people a couple of highlights that they're going to get out of this because, I mean, again, if you just watch the trailers, your head's going to start spinning. Uh, and again, I'll give you the link, uh, you know, in the show notes. I put it in the chat room at Ocelli.com. You can always uh, ro roll that back if you guys like. But uh, it is uh, over at Paradigm Shift. Uh, dot I'll, you, I'll tell you an easier an easier way to go is just theviraldelusion.com. The viral delusion. I didn't know that was dot com. I'm sorry. Theviraldelusion.com. So I'll put that link in the show notes as well. Uh, go there, and uh, I think part one you can actually watch for free right now. But uh, again, there are five parts to this. Um, so yeah, go, go ahead and just give us an idea what's in there because I don't want to keep you all day. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. no, it's I mean it's a, it's seven and a half hours. It's just jam packed with stuff. But um, I'll tell you a story. So I um, one of the people that I was able to interview was Celia Farber. Um, if you don't know who she is, she was one of the most important uh, AIDS journalists from from back in the day. And uh, you know, AIDS was really um, when I started uh, thinking about the topic of this film, which is that. Virology is, is pseudoscience, uh, that the whole thing's a scam. Uh, AIDS was, was one of the things that I got really hung up on. I was like, well, 
you know, because I was I was listening to these scientists and, and reading these doctors and scientists who were saying this, and I was like, well, what about AIDS? You so know? it wasn't AIDS? it wasn't just because of the Anthony Fauci connection then. It was <laughs> oh no no no, it goes it's really deep, right? It's really deep. Good. Yeah yeah yeah. Um, I we I did a whole hour and a half episode just on AIDS because if you under if you can understand what happened in AIDS, then you can understand what happened in, in, in COVID. Um, right. COVID times. So I ended up, I ended up um, interviewing this, this journalist, Celia Farber, and, and uh, she was a young uh, reporter um, in the 80s um, when the government came out with its claim that uh, HIV was the cause of AIDS. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they had no scientific uh, backing for the claim whatsoever. They just came out, they declared it. They just simply declared uh, that they had found a virus uh, called HIV, that they named HIV. And uh, it's the cause of AIDS. And um, they later, um, they later uh, uh, sort of forced uh, a number of articles uh, into the journal Nature uh, that, that were supposed to uh, support that claim, but they didn't whatsoever. Mm. Um, and we talk about this extensively in, in the film. Um, uh, but uh, Celia was, was reporting on this, and, and for her it was a big deal because um, she interviewed Peter Duisberg. Uh, Peter Duisberg was uh, considered uh, the greatest, uh, most accomplished virologist uh, in the United States at the time. He was a professor at UC Berkeley, mm-hmm. uh, and he had received uh, a number of uh, National Academy of Science grants, which are the hardest grants uh, essentially in all of uh, the scientific world to get because you don't have to even... Um, Say what you're going to use the money for. You're you're so esteemed, you're so prestigious mm-hmm. that the that you just get money from the government um, because uh, you've proven yourself uh, your credentials. So he's considered basically the greatest virologist in the country. Which, by the way, is like saying the greatest unicornologist in the country. I mean, it's it's really it's kind of a joke in and of itself. But that being said, right. he had an extraordinary reputation in the field. So he starts looking at this claim that HIV is the cause of uh, AIDS, and uh, it's preposterous, uh, and it's preposterous for numerous reasons. And so he publishes an article in Cancer Monthly, which is a, a very prestigious uh, cancer research magazine. Uh, cancer is relevant because the, the, the main symptom of AIDS uh, at the time is Carposi sarcoma, which is uh, a cancer. And uh, he publishes, and he, he lays out, I believe it was 18 reasons why, logically, uh, it could not be that there was a virus uh, that was causing uh, AIDS, uh, and, that it, and that it could not be that uh, it was the particular virus <laughs> that they claimed. Um, and so he, he publishes this, this piece in Cancer Monthly, and um, immediately he is attacked uh, by Fauci and the NIH and the entire government apparatus. Right. Um, they pull all his funding uh, and they attempt to completely destroy him. Uh, and he's trying to get the word out that this this is not um, this is not good science. Uh, what 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 the government's putting out and that people are going to die because of it. Right. And. Um, and so uh, eventually, uh, because he's, he's such a preeminent figure, uh, he's able to get the attention of a major uh, morning news uh, show. It was like the Good Morning America or something like that. Right. And so they fly him to New York City, and they're going to do a morning show 
uh, here's the country's most, you know, eminent uh, virologist who's saying that the government story about why people are getting sick is not true. Right. And uh, about an hour before he uh, is to show up on this major uh, morning news show, he gets a call. And uh, from from the station, and they say, uh, "We're so sorry, Mr. Duesberg, but something very important has come up, and we cannot film your your interview." And so he he stays in his hotel room, and he turns on the TV, and he wants to see like what's on the show, like what came up that they had to cancel his interview. And what he discovered was that instead of interviewing him that day, mm-hmm. at the very last minute the station decided to interview Fauci instead. Mm-hmm. And so Fauci and his machine had been following Duisburg and spying on him to such a degree that they knew exactly who was going to be interviewing him and when mm-hmm. and were able to pull enough levers to be able to censor those interviews and replace them with Fauci himself. Wow. So this is the history that we're dealing with. And, um, you know, if you go back and you look at AIDS, this was, a, I mean, just an extraordinary number of unbelievably uh, prestigious uh, scientists and doctors that tried to speak out and uh, tell the country what was happening. But, um, you yeah. know, they were, they, were, they were silenced like that over and over and over again. Well, um, yeah. So we have no, you know, history in the public consciousness for being able to uh, interpret uh, what's going on. It's all been censored and deleted. Right. Well, if you dig into the AIDS thing and you get into like uh, what Robert Gallo did and the controversy with HTLV3 and, uh, you know, the, the, the misidentification of what was going on and all these things, there is a whole huge bit of history there regarding AIDS that has been absolutely buried now. Um, you know, in, uh, in my chat room, by the way, a, a question, and I'm not sure about the origin of this question or why it's being asked, but since it is from a live listener, I want to throw it at you. Uh, are you aware of, uh, or are you familiar with, uh, Dr. Ava Sneed? No, I'm not. Okay. Keep well, I will, uh, I will try and, uh, get some information on that for you after the show. I'm not sure exactly what that's about, uh, cause they want to know if uh, you know what happened to her. I don't know if, what she has to do with this, but, Probably something relevant. Um, anyway, back back to the uh, the question at hand, though. What is in this? What is in this uh, documentary? And again, you can go to uh, theviraldelusion.com, I guess is the better better way to uh, get to it. Yep, yep, that's the best way to get to it. And um, yeah, just to give you an overview. Um, so the first episode uh, is two and a half hours. It's completely free for anyone who comes to the website. Um, and we completely unpack the claim that uh, a SARS-CoV-2 virus was ever found, and uh, that it was that it could be tested for, and that there is a specific disease called COVID, uh, which it causes. Uh, and uh, basically, the entire the entire science, so-called scientific foundation of the pandemic. Uh, and then we we go a little bit into uh, how could this possibly have uh, emanated so deeply into our society uh, when it's just pseudoscience? Uh, we, we, we look at the sociology of it uh, very specifically with doctors and so on. Uh, and then, of course, uh, a little bit on the vaccine. So we really look at COVID in the first episode. Right. Uh, in the second episode, we uh, go back and we look at the history of virology 
which really uh, rose to fame uh, in the uh, 20th century. It's, it, I mean, the entire field uh, started at the beginning of the 20th century, and uh, due to due to uh, an experiment in the, in, in the 1950s. Uh, in which it was claimed that uh, the first virus had been isolated when it hadn't. Um, we see uh, the rise of uh, uh, virology and um, this sort of new era of vaccines. Uh, in the third episode, we go back, we look at some of the, like, the, the claims about um, big diseases of the past. Like, what about the plague? What about the smallpox? What about the Spanish flu? Um, and uh, we, we reinterpret... Um, what happened, uh, given the historical record. Uh, and then the fourth episode, we look at AIDS. Um, what, what, what is the, the actual history of AIDS? Um, when you, uh, once you lift the sensor off the scientists, uh, who had been trying to speak out at the time. And, uh, and then finally, in the last episode, the last episode is like for the hardcore junkie. Um, and, uh, it's okay. Wh- what is this whole genetic sequencing? Uh, of, of viruses um, that the scientific world keeps talking about. What does that mean? Oh, so you get into the mRNA, uh, the, the, the uh, use of it and all this and where it's going because, you know, this is continuing on right now. They're talking about releasing possibly vaccines for heart disease and everything else, uh, which I'm, I'm shaking my head. What, what, there's a virus that causes heart disease now? I mean, when, when did this happen? Yeah, it's just, uh, it's absolutely mind-boggling. I mean, they, they, they have a vision for a whole new era of medicine in which, um, they are going to, uh, diagnose you and they are going to, uh, uh, create this so-called individualized mRNA-based medicine for you specifically. Mm. But, um, it's all junk. Uh, it's based on junk science and, of course, it's based on control. It's based on, on the idea that they're, uh, scientific uh, priesthood uh, is going to be the ones uh, to uh, diagnose you, to say when you're dangerous or not dangerous, when you're going to be sick or not going to be sick, uh, to say that you are sick, uh, whether or not you're actually sick, uh, and then to decide um, what the risk analyses will be on you taking medicine or not taking medicine, mm-hmm. whether it's morally responsible for you to have the choice of whether or not to take medicine or not to take medicine. Uh, there's a very uh, dystopian medical future that's out there uh, as a possibility, uh, but but I think there's also a really strong, uh, you know, um, uh, recognition uh, that this is a uh, this is all uh, a, you know a fraudulent house of cards, and uh, that you know we don't we don't we don't need this nonsense, um, mm-hmm. and that uh, what we what we need is uh, the right to uh, be able to, to to make our own choices, and and when we make our own choices, then we become responsible, and we become responsible for uh, ensuring that uh, we live in a clean environment. Mm-hmm. And that we eat good food, and that we have access to, to to good nutritious food, and we have access to clean water, and we have access to clean air, and uh, and hopefully we can uh, you know turn this thing around a little bit. Well, you know what? That actually leads to the very final thing I want you to comment on. We're going to close out the show on this note. Uh, you know, I I wonder as I look at the landscape and the way things have gone, and the fact that uh, look, I've become you know one of those anti-vax people. Uh, it happened incrementally. It happened through my own experiences. I'm not going to get into it with you right now. 
because we are at the end of the show, but uh, maybe we'll do a part two here. <laughs> anytime, anytime. Because uh, it's necessary. Um, here's the big question in my mind. Do we stand a chance, do you think? I mean, because uh, th- there's a great portion of the society which has accepted this nonsense, uh, that didn't want to question it. Uh, people like me that questioned it, not being uh, treated so well. They talked about, you know, demonetizing us. They talked about maybe we don't deserve to have jobs. You know, uh, there were Hollywood talking heads out there saying maybe we need to be pushed out of society even uh, because we refuse to take the shot, okay? Uh, we refuse to let our children take the shot. Um, we're bad people, you know? Do we stand a chance collectively of, of, again, regaining our sovereignty, regaining our ability to make these kinds of decisions for ourselves, to, uh, you know, to not simply be pushed into the collective? Uh, do, you, do you think we actually stand a chance of turning this back? Or is it uh, is it too late for the technocracy and, and all of that which has emerged here uh, regarding this, uh, I hate to call it this, but medical tyranny? is what we're, we're facing. I mean, do you, do you think we stand a chance of turning this around is the ultimate question. I mean, I go back and forth. I go back and forth all the time. But, uh, you know, there's the, every once in a while you get little, um, you know, snippets of hope. And, uh, you know, and sometimes you get a little bit scared here and there, like what's coming down the road and what's next and all that. But, um, you know, there's just this last week, I, I, I thought this was kind of uh, a, an interesting reason for hope, was that they launched this new campaign and uh, this new campaign, I think it's called the Great Catch Up or something uh, like that, where they want to um, they want to they want to push vaccine. And and, um, and I thought it was so fascinating. They picked um, Chelsea Clinton as their spokesman for this new campaign. Oh god! So and and you think to yourself, this is amazing because you know whatever some particular person might think of Chelsea Clinton. There's a good 60% of the country that's going to turn the TV off the minute she pops up and starts talking. At least 60% of the country, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 so either of these people who, who are running this campaign are insanely stupid, and I don't think they are, or they are facing a situation where their own base is deserting them so rapidly that they had to pick a die-hard liberal Democrat in order to shore up their own base. That they they they've basically said, okay, we've lost fifty, sixty, seventy percent of the country. We're just worried about thirty, forty percent of people that have always been with us. I think that's a sign that uh, the tables have turned tremendously in the public consciousness. Mm. And, um, you know, we'll just keep, we'll all just keep kind of digging away and, 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 you know, talking, having conversations like this. You know, what, we, what else can we do? We'll roll the dice. Exactly. TheViralDelusion.com. Go there. Check it out. Get the first episode free. But there are five parts to, I guess we'll call them episodes, of this documentary. Mike Wallach has been my guest. And uh, I, I dare say we're going to have to do a part two. So we'll do that. And, and Mike says he'll do it. So I'm going to hold him to it. In the next couple of weeks, we'll bring him back and talk about this a little more. TheViralDelusion.com. Get the documentary. The Ocelli Effect is over for tonight, so no matter who you are, where you are, when you are, remember I'm merely Ocelli and all of you are indeed the effect.
WallStreetWindow.com Gold, silver, the stock market. WallStreetWindow.com Perhaps you're invested deeply. Perhaps you're not in deep enough. Maybe you're thinking about getting started. WallStreetWindow.com Michael Swanson, the brilliant author of The War State, understood these trends professionally for many years, and now he gives you the benefit of his knowledge. WallStreetWindow.com Go there now. Go there now. Go there now. Ochilly.com In Denial, Secret Wars with Airstrikes and Tanks by Larry Hancock. Secret wars became a staple of U.S. covert operations and are still happening today. Larry Hancock's book, In Denial, rips the cover off many of them. Using new files, it exposes things about the Bay of Pigs that no one has ever written about before. It shows why it really failed and why the United States did not learn from it. It also shows why other countries today are doing secret operations with more success. This is the book that puts what some want to deny into the light. In Denial, Secret Wars with Airstrikes and Tanks. Larry Hancock. For more information, go to Larry-Hancock.com. Pick up your copy of In Denial at Amazon.com in digital or physical form. About goddamn time at wake they wake up. Now I've been talking about this since 1959 about the corruption, the incredible lies, deception of the entire superstructure of Western civilization, and the incredible treason, lunacy, uh, lies, deception. Uh, it's just amazing how much has been done in the past hundred years to the human family. That was Jordan Maxwell on the Ocelli Effect. For more pods with Jordan and Chuck, search Ocelli.com, along with hundreds of other shows and topics as presented by Chuck Ocelli on Ocelli.com. Thanks for listening. in the truth about the JFA assassination? Right. Well, what do you want to know? Judy Baker's wild claim, Oswald girlfriend, he knew Ruby and Barry, cancer weapons. Really? I imagine I could claim I have four wheels. It doesn't make me a wagon, but okay. Oswald was on the kill team and trying to prevent the murder of John Kennedy. Come on now. Has a real effort on the JFA assassination built into her claim? Go to Amazon.com. Enter Judith Baker in her own words. You'll get results for a digital copy of a book where Walt Brown
Brown utilizes her own words and the known evidence in the case to get at, well, <laughs> a different perspective, let's say. You can get Judith Barry Baker in her own words from the author himself, signed, if you request it, by contacting Dr. Brown at K-I-A-S-J-F-K at AOL.com. It's a fun book, and it actually dissects the many, many fantastic claims. Judith Barry Baker in her own words. Thank you for all the great information. Revelation through conversation.